One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress.、Uh, it's, a, it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB and sat alongside me, as always, my trusty and good friend Phil. How are you, Philip? Hello, JB. I'm not, I'm not quite always here. I wasn't here two weeks ago when I was、uh, indulging myself in Oslo. Oh, yeah. But, but I am、right. here. I am here now. Yeah, and down the line, down the line,、uh, Tim Cocker. Tim. All week I've felt so, so bad for you. It must be very, very difficult. Uh, well, uh, do you care to explain, JV? 50 year anniversary of the moon landings. I mean, it must be eating you alive. <laughs> you must be desperate to correct everyone on, on, on this one, though. <laughs>、oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I think they were fake. Yeah, yeah that's they, right. They never happened. But yeah, all these idiots are writing about it. It must be awful for you. Anyway, how the, are、uh, you? The, the Egg Chasers shipping container is.、Um, Has just made its way back from Suffolk for the, the, the Latitude Festival. I,、uh, I, I did enjoy myself, but. I, <laughs> as much as Will Greenwood I, I would. <laughs> the, the, the last two weekends, I, I basically learned a couple of things. One, that、um, no or very few fans or players of rugby attend music festivals, <laughs> just judging by the. the Just surely the body type of your average punters <laughs> that go there. I saw an amazing video today. It was a video of Shaquille O'Neal entering、oh, a. The mosh pit. Yes, mosh pit.、Awesome. Yeah. And he was going at about 20%, I would guess. Yeah. 10%. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I learned was that、uh, guitars are for on stage, not. <laughs> There's always one person, and I happened to get the person on the campsite who、uh, brought his acoustic guitar with him so he could、uh, do some very average renditions of songs at about 4 a.m. That guy. Oh, that wonderful. Guy. I've never been to a, a music festival, and I don't think I intend to for this exact reason. I mean, you're basically outlining all the stereotypes of all the people I wouldn't get on with. No one on my speed dial conforms to, to that stereotype. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I did. I was there working, so I did have access to areas that I could get away and kind of decompress away from the,、um, the, hip, the levels of hipster, which just exceeded all expectation.、Mm. Well, we are a day late、uh, because, of course, you're on your mind altering party drugs at Latitude. And、um, <laughs> I was,、uh, what was I doing? I was, oh my God, I was getting a train back from North Wales.、Um, it was like the last flight out of Saigon. <laughs> it was absolutely dreadful. And to make it worse, I decided I'd take my road bike with me. I had to stand with my road bike upright、oh. in between the carriages whilst a woman who was five months pregnant fainted into my arms. What? Yeah, I had a bike in one hand,、yeah. I had the wo- a woman in,、um, in my other hand. 
Uh, yeah. What what can you do, eh? Except Ooh. for, you know, be a hero. Now, is that why you were stravering while on the train? Because, yes, because you Because you had your road bike on the train, so exactly. you thought, I'm going to break some records here. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Average speed, 100 kilometres an hour. <laughs> 197 kilometres per hour, JB. 20,000 calories burned. <laughs> uh, well, we are a day late, and we announced it on Twitter. We uh, did. And, and some of you, it seems to be, they, you actually miss us. Well, there was far more, like, criticism than uh, gratefulness or missing us. But it was all very appreciated. Just being thought about was appreciated. Uh, so what were they saying on uh, our Twitter, at Rugby Podcast? So some of the favourites. So um, Chris Robinson said, cheers, the sun's crying. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Mark Gibson asked, has Jonathan Beardmore been to another wedding with a zip line? No, I had not. Call back to a, a an older pod. Um, thinking, feeling, surviving, believing on Ruby Podcast. Oh, James O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> nice, to know he's, nice to know he listens. He said, what am I paying you for? <laughs> um, uh, where are we? Um, Grant Williams said, great Monday morning commute with Stephen Jones's back catalogue now. Oof. And then the vomit uh, emoji. Oof. Stephen Jones, who will not be at the podcast podcast festival for reasons that we don't know. Nothing to do with, nothing to do with tickets. Oh, right, yeah. Yes. Uh, Tom Silk wondered if it was uh, to do with a particularly explosive episode of Love Island. Oh, yes. <sighs> High drama. High drama. <laughs> uh, Simon RJ said he crashed his Maserati into the stoop. He was so upset. <laughs> wow. One of many Maseratis, I imagine, which have been written off around the, around the stoop area. I imagine. A few too many champagnes, getting your Maserati. Uh, Robert Smith also did, did a bit of a humble brag where he said, FFS. I've just trodden on a sea urchin in St. Lucia. Ooh. And now this. Is there no end to my suffering today? <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Ab- absolutely. We are at Rugby Podcast. We haven't talked about rugby yet. So let's, let's jump straight into the huh? England squad, which got announced today. Oh, yes. So there was an update on the England squad ahead of them travelling to Treviso, the home of JB's beloved Benetton. The home of real rugby. To do a warm weather training camp, uh, Eddie Jones they said really in England this week for that. Uh, yeah, didn't need to go. Yeah, it's nice though, isn't it? To go to uh, Prosecco region, exactly. A few co- a few coffees with the boys, some, some proper Italian coffee. Yeah, some two thousand year old uh, uh, buildings. Yeah, it's lovely. Why not? Absolutely. So they, they're off there, and there was, well, all they did was announce. Um, the squad, the 35 players um, who are travelling, and then from that you could deduce, sorry, not 35, 38 players who are travelling, from that you could deduce who has dropped out from last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, shall I read you the list of players who have dropped out? Because only yes. one... Yes you, yes, you may. Every single publication has only mentioned one name. <laughs> but there there are more people who have who have dropped out because of this. Uh, okay, yes, uh, and we all know who the name is. Sam Burgess has not made it. Sam Burgess cut, yeah. uh, unceremoniously cut. No, the the players dropping out. So last week there were five extra bodies who came into the squad mm-hmm. for the Bristol camp to hold tackle shields. Uh, four of them have dropped out. Those four are Tom Dunn, Alex Dunbrandt, 
Magic Mar- uh. Magic Marcus Smith. Damn. And Ollie Thorley. Okay. With the fifth one of that um, group, Mike Brown retaining his place. Then there was um, two other players who dropped out. One who was part of the squad proper and one who was not part of the squad proper. So ben... If they dropped out, they dropped themselves out injury or some such thing? No, no. This has just been dropped out from oh, the right. re-announced squad. Okay. Um, so the one who's dropped out of the proper squad, who no one has mentioned, was Ben Moon. Oh, bloody uh, hell. Didn't know yeah. that. So nowhere seems to have mentioned this um, from today. Now... Poor Ben Moon. Poor, poor Ben Moon. By the way, a cracking player. A, a player's br- player. A brilliant player. And... Who who made probably the single best hit of the I think it was the Autumn Internationals. Now I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again any, anyway. Every time that I talk to a, a tight head that has played against Ben Ben Moon, they have nothing but nasty things to say about him in a good way, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like he is he's one of those players that you need to play against to realise how good he actually is. Mm. He, he, well, is he a... took his chance. On the international stage, yeah. didn't he? I mean, what more do you want? Anyway, I mean, look, there it's, are options, aren't there? The, it's probably the most stacked position. The most, most stacked single position. Um, well, you've got... Assu- assuming that... So the, the three in there are Ellis Genge, yep. Marla, who's returned and looking sharp, yep. and Mako... Yeah, drop? Well, okay, so I would drop two of them, actually. Which two? So Mako is obviously your boy, right? And I actually think... Um, the, the Marla situation, because he retired when Ben Moon's busy scrummaging and putting in hits for England, Ben Moon should have got the benefit of the doubt regardless because that's what team dynamic and team spirit and all the rest of it is all about. Now, if there was a disaster and Mako is not fit, or, there are, you know, like you say, there, it's a stacked position, then I bring him back in. The other guy is Genge. I would drop Genge because he's just not really had a great season. You know, he's... In a struggling team, he's had in, he's had injury problems. He's not found his best form. Whereas you'd argue Moon has been in great form. So actually, I wouldn't just drop one of them. I would drop two of them. Wow, Jonathan Bim will shake up the squad. Yeah? I, I, I wouldn't. Have, yeah. I wouldn't have um, objected to Moon and Genge swapping places. But no, uh, it's about winning a World Cup. So to get yeah. the best players in and Marla. Marla yeah, is but, that. What, but what if, but, what if uh, they all start getting resentful? The um. So yeah, Tim, I'm with you on the loose head position. By the way, um, the the player who has been uh, receiving most of the headlines is a player that wasn't actually training with the squad last week because he was doing uh, fitness work off site, as we discussed. I think it's incredible. And is Danny Cipriani incredible? Has not made it, so it's two weeks on the bounce that Sippers won't be training with the the full squad. Um, he is presumably now on a standoff. Uh, standoff stand. By list, so he's, he's going to train with Gloucester and might be called up if he's needed. I I can't help but think that the treatment of Danny Cipriani is just it's just not good. Go uh, on. Well, a lot of these lads' careers are shaped by the prospect of England. There's no two ways that he's good enough, right? He definitely is. He definitely is, right? And they keep sort of teasing him, like, "Yeah, you're kind of there. You're nearly there." hang around, hey, sign for Gloucester rather than go to France, do this, do do that, he's signed again. And by the way, no problems with signing for Gloucester, great club. But, you know, there is an element of him being guided by potential England chances. I, I wish they would 
say at the very outset, yeah, we want you. However, if everyone's fit, we're not having you. So, you know, go and do your own thing. Go move abroad. Go go make some more money. I, I don't think it's a good way to treat Dan, uh, Danny Cipriani or, in fact, anyone. They should be far clearer of, about what they expect. How what? how clear do you know they have been or unclear do you know they've been? Uh, do, do you know if there has been any promises of... Oh yeah, you'll, you'll be in the. You'll That's be in the exactly squad. right. That's exactly right, Ricky. Or should there be, or, or if there ever should well, be? Well, I don't. The answer is, yeah, I guess that there should be some very, very clear guidance, and it's not good enough to just say, "Hey, if you're good enough, you will, you will play, you will be picked," because he's definitely, and in some categories, the best fly half in England. In other categories, may. Uh, uh, maybe not, but you know, if you want to do certain just things, one question, he. One question on this: Would you? Extend the same courtesy to every single England player or potential England player uh, that they should be given. That they should be given a kind of no a I gauge on I, on their on their likely inclusion. Because I, no, I would It just seems like what you're, what you're asking for is totally. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with whether he should be in or out the squad. I'm just saying that I don't see any logic to your point I, look, that he I should think be given players at different guarantees or. Or a percentage chance and these yeah, kind of things. I, well, I, I agree with that. No, well, no, because I would say it's different for different players. So, you know, if you've got a young lad like a Ben Curry or a Tom Curry or Ben Curry um, com- competing for an England spot at twenty years old, he gets no guarantees. You just go out there and you work as work as hard as you can. If you've got a guy in the twilight, not the twilight, but towards the end of his career, you know, approaching his thirties, you know what uh, you know what you can do. He's a seasoned professional. He is what he is. Do you want me or not? I'm, I think that's a perfectly fair thing to ask and fair information to give. Well, so, and, and I would say that Eddie Jones's position, I mean, uh, and the way that things have had, players have been hopping in and out of squads, don't be surprised if he's back in. This might be some bigger plan, like or out of the blue, uncapped Joe Marchant is suddenly in the squad. Yeah. We should not be having, in my opinion, uncapped players uh, arriving but... in the squad at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe Marchant. I've been... Yeah, I've yeah. been banging the drum for him for for ages but i just doesn't see seem any logic to have uncapped players appearing but at this you know point what in, in in the process but you know why this is yes it's it's the whole milner scudder thing so everyone's looking for their milner scudder milner scudder's ruined rugby for an awful lot of players who have got caps because every team wants a milner scudder to you know emerge during during the world cup so uh, I think that's why Marchant's in. And that's why McConaughey's in. They're all looking for a Milner Scudder. There's absolutely no... Uh, I, I, Eddie Jones owes nothing to Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani has made himself eligible to be an England player. He is being considered for a World Cup spot. Due to injury, he may well get called up into a World Cup squad, even if he's not selected initially. I, I, I cannot get on board with... The age of a player having any relevance as to what yeah, a coach should well, say about their chances. No, you're either available or you're not. Well, there is the other element, isn't there? That Eddie Jones has actually said he wants. I can't remember the actual phrasing, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Something along the lines of he wants sort of a disturbance within the team. He wants. He wants them on edge. Is that roughly what you said? Uh, like conflict or uncertainty. He, he said certain. Certainly, early on, he wanted. Um, kind of the the edge to them, the the challenging edge to them, mm. um, and he he has said in other interviews that he likes to keep people on their toes by doing uh, unpredictable things. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's 
madness, Frank. And can you imagine? Can you imagine going to work every day, which is effectively what exactly what these guys are doing, and having no idea if you're secure, unsecure. I mean, just think about your day job. Would you do? Would you work better? Would you work harder if uh, you were? You know, you you could be sent home tomorrow. I know from speaking from a uh, rugby perspective, where there was competition in the squad. I, I it made me train even harder. Yeah, but you were doing rugby as a hobby. What about if it was your job? Well, I was doing it at a reasonable yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Tim, if, be... if that was if it was my job, well, the, the England stuff is not their full time job, as in they have club jobs. Yeah, but it's all but it is equivalent to full time money. That, that's the other thing. It is yeah, life changing money on top of full time money. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I think I, I I've seen. So I'm not a fan of everything that Eddie's done with the squad. I do not have any problems with him dropping Cipriani, and I don't have any problem with him um, having moved players in and out of the squad because one of the guys who's in this time, Mike Brown, I think has been has been playing his best rugby this year, having been dropped, moved to the wing, and then dropped for the autumn. He's got himself in the best form. At, at, he, he'll be 34 by the World Cup. Yeah. And so he is training phenomenally hard and that has been rewarded in this current squad with the place. Now, on Cipriani, there is an element of me that thinks... Um, we spoke last week about um, Eddie Jones wanting the fittest, fastest players. To yes. the point where he's, he's um, ended. Uh, players have had their careers ended in England training camps because he wants the strongest, most conditioned players. Now, Cipriani was out of the squad last week because of his conditioning. And the other two guys who were out of the squad because of their conditioning, Underhill and Watson, have been now retained or stepped back into the squad. Yeah. And this, this for me, gives me a sign that Cipriani... I might be totally wrong in reading the wrong signals here, but one explanation that fits the information is that Cipriani has not performed as he was expected to when he was given that, that signal. And just to go back to the Mike Brown thing, you could actually say the same thing happened to Dan Cole, who found a bit of form. He, yeah, yeah. Um, although I would actually question the Dan Cole form. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Dan Cole has been dropped in and out of, of the squads. And, Chris, and there are other players who did respond in exactly the same way, Chris Robshaw being an example, and, and, and still haven't made the squad, which is... It's absolutely fine. That's the way Eddie's gone. But so I don't have any big issue with any of his selections. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I love Joe. I really, I'm a big fan of Joe Marchant. Uh, my criticism is only how, if a player has any potential to play in a World Cup, can you only be selecting him in an England squad now? Yeah. How, yeah. Do you, how did you not know this already? Yeah, because Marchant has been, maybe not, not been around for the whole of the four-year cycle, but... He has been on the scene, mm. uh, and certainly the last couple of years, last probably three years, has been playing really well for Quinns. Now, again, it's, it is a position where you're pretty stacked because the the main two guys ahead of him, uh, Henry Slade and Jonathan Joseph, are exceptional, and uh, arguably the guy after that could be Elliot Daly, who is also exceptional. If not, it'd be Tuolagi. Yeah. Do, do you know what I think England need? <laughs> Where are you going with this? I think they need a bit of France. <laughs> I do. I think they need a little bit of that French attitude. The chaos. Well, no, no. Eddie um, Jones is bringing is, is bringing the chaos, right? And I look around and I look at their horrific um, performance against Scotland, and I, you know, I look at 
downfall 2018 and I look at all all the evidence which everyone pointed well I pointed to uh, before they played I think yeah uh, he's not doing a great job and if they had a bit more fronts about them they can get to the World Cup and just say look Eddie we're doing it our way because look at the players that they've got you've got the Corvus Saracens team which are unbelievably good you just named two guys then who play outside centre in Jonathan Joseph and uh, Henry Slade Goodness me. I mean, the talent that this team has is off the Richter scale. And yet, somehow, somehow, you've got performances like Scotland. I just hope that they can... Uh, the second half of Scotland. <sighs> Doesn't matter. It's still in the same game. <laughs> um, just because the first half was a very, very good performance. <laughs> well, which makes the second half even more baffling. It, it does. Um, yeah. So, maybe... maybe, maybe uh, a little bit of that French attitude. Sorry, Eddie, we'll take it from here. And I tell you what, they lose one of their big games. If they lose the France game or the Argentina game, I, ex- I fully expect that to, to happen. Well, the, a player revolt. Yeah, just like they did under Brian Ashton. It, it will be interesting. Well, we, we got to see... Um, can we move off the England squad now? Yeah, if you I want. Think, I think we've covered the, the tiny bit of information. Because mm-hmm. um, that segues quite nicely into the rugby championship. Yes, it does. Where we saw a glimpse of Argentina, the Argentina that England will be playing. Did Tim, I'm guessing you didn't get to see this. It wasn't on the, the big screen at Latitude Festival. Sadly not. People would much rather watch um, guys in spray-on t- tightness level trousers. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, some, uh, there were some tight tops and tight shorts in this game. Oh, I want to talk about some tight shorts later, but yes, let's talk about these tight shorts. Argentina, New Zealand. So this was an interesting game, um, and one that Argentina could have won. Yes, they could have. Um, were it not, so they did look, They so where to start on that? So it was sixteen twenty or 2016 that New Zealand won. Now, Argentina had two back-to-back penalties which they kicked to the corner uh, in injury time on New Zealand's line, right on New Zealand's line, so two five-metre line-outs. And New Zealand illegally sacked the first one and then successfully sacked the second one. And Argentina, at that point, they looked absolutely dead on their feet. Yeah. And it's, it's understandable because only two weeks ago, the Argentina team, the vast majority, 80-plus percent of the Argentina team, were, of course, in Christchurch playing against the half of the New Zealand team that wasn't playing today. Mm, Most yeah. of the best half of the New Zealand team that weren't playing today. Today. Uh, today, as in... Saturday. 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 Yeah, Saturday hey, night. So, I, my opinion on this is Argentina on the cusp of something very special. Like This team is on the cusp. Um, even though they've had two losses against New Zealand, effectively, right? Yeah. New Zealand teams or a New Zealand team. Just New call Zealand. it New Zealand because yeah. you know, all the Crusaders could play for New Zealand. Well, most, pretty much all of them yeah, do yeah, play for yeah. New Zealand. Uh, exactly. Well, actually, you're probably best calling it two New Zealand B teams because the Crusaders is basically a New Zealand B and this was a kind of New Zealand uh, 1.2 or something yeah. like that, 2.0. Now, I think the reason that they can't beat them is simply because they've never beaten them before. But when they do, the floodgates will open. And I think it's just a, a change of attitude. You know, when you lose that fear of playing a team, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. Uh, I, I think that's where Argentina are. I think come the World Cup, they are going to be a mighty fine side. Uh, yeah, they're struggling with New Zealand, but 
Who doesn't? I mean, think think about Wales. Think about how good Wales are and how good that they've been recently. To my knowledge, they've never ever beaten the All Blacks. In fact, the only team to have beaten the All Blacks from Wales was Llanelli in God knows when. Wales never, not in the seventies. Pretty sure they've never beaten them. Mm. I mean, check that out. They certainly haven't beaten them in my lifetime. Yes, I think that's definitely correct. Mm. Um, so the Argentina team and the Jaguares, um, it's, it was interesting because I kind of I, half of me thinks that this game was there for the taking, and had had Nicolas Sanchez not thrown that intercept try on the stroke of half time, where he tried to where he tried to lob the ball over. Six foot nine, Brody Retallick. Line out expert. Brody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Renowned for reading balls in the air. Brody it wasn't. Retallick. He didn't even have to raise his hands above his head. He, just, <laughs> yeah. he caught it. Oh, thanks. R- right in the bread basket. Anyway, if he, if they hadn't have done that, New Zealand don't go in with a whatever point ten point lead at half time. It's and, so New Zealand, isn't it? Uh, well, it's so New Zealand to score at the end, but they were gifted at the end of a half. They were gifted a try. So on that, I think, God, maybe Argentina could have done this. But then I also think for most of the game, they were only kept in it because New Zealand gave away stupid, stupid penalties repeatedly. Mm. And Sanchez kicked well. He took it, took their chances. But they, they very rarely broke the line, Argentina. Their only try came from a cross-field kick and their, the majority of their field position came from stupid New Zealand penalties that they stuck in the corner and tried to grind out a result or, and in the end ground out that try. Um, so, so I think they struggled. They struggled breaking the line and in the, with that attacking threat. I think New Zealand are getting reckless around the breakdown. I really do. Well, I was actually I was watching this and thinking, this is weird. Like New Zealand don't. New Zealand are too intelligent to give away this many pen, many penalties. And I was thinking, maybe, maybe. Do you know um, how? I've not played FIFA for years, but you know how computer football computer games and football um, computer rugby games, they used to have like scenarios where it was like 15 minutes left, you're down a man and you've got to hold on to a 1-0 lead. Mm-hmm. Or you, you've got to, you're away and you've got to score three goals in the last 10 minutes to, to no, win the game. Are you talking about the scenarios where you load up the scenario? You preload the yeah. scenario. So like Madden used to have this, like uh, you've got a... T- um two-minute warning and you got to drive down the field with Tom Brady and just hit Dion Branch over and over again. Yes, I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So it almost felt like, and this is, this is I'm sure it's wrong, but it almost felt, felt like New Zealand were deliberately giving away penalties to see how they would react <laughs> in a game where the ref is giving them loads of, penalty, giving loads of penalties against them. Because some of them were just mind-numbingly stupid. When you know New Zealand are not stupid, they're all such good, intelligent rugby players. Wow. This is... That, this I, is what... I, love that, I love that thought, but... <laughs> no, I, that's, that, that would be such a maverick move for Steve Hansen to give his players <laughs> the confidence to... Don't worry, I'm not going to judge you. I know you might not get a... You might think you might not get a World Cup place, but that's what I want you to do. What we need to do is You'd test ourselves against penalties. Like, I, need to, I need to be whiter than white and be top-notch. So I just think um, I've, I've watched a bit of highlights and I've, I've I've read some reports and yeah, it just seemed like New Zealand were uncharacteristically uncharacteristically brain dead at times. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's my attempt to explain that uh, stupidity from New Zealand. Um, another thing we saw in this game. So 
a, a failure of New Zealand was so three times Bowden Barrett made clean breaks mm-hmm. and three times the All Blacks failed to convert those clean breaks. Now, I'm not saying that's part of the strategy to mess up clean breaks. Definitely not. But that that was, it was just weird. And I, I'd probably put an element of that down to there were some new faces, there were some new combinations playing together that haven't played together for, for a while. Don't forget, New Zealand haven't played since the autumn. Uh, so I'd put that down to them being a little bit uh, rusty. You know what, I'm just looking at this New Zealand team here. Yes, it is a so-called B team. My God, it's one hell of a B team. Oh, it's I mean, still, like, still like, stacked. Who who are the guys who definitely, definitely get in? Uh, Owen Franks. Yeah, Franks, agree with that. Uh, Whitelock. Kieran Reid. Mm, yep. So there's uh, three in the pack. Although Artie Surveyor did play very well. Artie Surveyor's class. Um, Ryan Crotty, if he wasn't injured at the moment. and Hang on, hasn't he been left out, out, the whole, out, out the squad entirely? Though? Yeah, because he was injured. Because he's got a dislocated thumb or broken thumb. Ah, right, okay. Uh, so he would be in. I'm I'm certain that he would be in. Uh, possibly Jake Goodhue. Possibly Richie Mwunga. The way he's playing at the moment, Ooh, which could push Bowden Barrett to fifteen potentially. Um, so they've got options there. So you're going to push four, at least four or five, possibly more players in. Um, Joe Moody as well at loosehead prop. Hmm. Quite a few lads to come in. Oh, yes. God damn, they're good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was an interesting game. Um. Argentina's failure to break the line will disappoint them. And now I've got another theory about that. I, I think Argentina and Haguaras do one thing really well, and they don't vary it. They need bigger runners closer to the breakdown. To they, they don't do that. Everything comes off ten. What they need bigger runners closer to the breakdown for? Um, well, because you need to come close into the breakdown in order to kind of make sure that you can't get the line speed up on. On the ten, when you go, Newcastle did, uh, did did this for a little while, which is they were playing everything off flood, which means you can set your line speed, and then if you have as quick a line speed as say New Zealand do, you're catching people behind the gain line all the time, and that's what I felt that uh, certainly Haguaras do a lot, and I've seen um, Argentina do it. Where actually, if you're playing off nine a little bit more with a little bit of complexity, uh, you know, it sets up your players off ten far far better. So one other thing that I'll mention. Uh, two other things. One, I, I've mentioned it before, but I love, love Pablo Matera. I, yes. think, I think he's playing some phenomenal rugby. Ex-Leicester Tiger, Pablo Matera. Yes. I know. Uh, one of one of the Leicester Tigers they let go. What, uh, add him to the list. Harry Thacker, uh, Pablo, Pablo Matera, uh, Alex Lewington. There's a fair few. And Matera... He he was less effective in this game because the New Zealand defence was so effective. But what he's done really well this year, they like to stand him in the wide channels. Yes, so they ca- kind of like it. New Zealand do with Dane Coles um, when when he's playing, or Hurricanes do with Dane, Dane Coles. So they like to get him outside thirteen. He's a big, strong boy. He's pretty quick, and he's great at offloading. And it's it's a it's a real it's something that when England play them or anyone for that matter in the World Cup you've got to be alive to that so is this an example of like rugby sort of developing in ways it didn't expect to so I always think of this as you you had you had the jackal and then you had 
counters to the jackal. And then you had a situation where, because you had counters to the jackal, people weren't jackling, they were, they were going through rooks. And therefore, when the ball went wide, the majority of jackals that you then encountered were wingers on wingers, because that's a really good jackal situation when the ball goes wide. So then the teams counter it again by making sure they've got a little bit of bulk out wide. So in terms of Dane, you know, like Dane calls a hooker or a flanker, just to give that extra you know, bit of protection. Then all of a sudden you think, hang on, I've got a big guy out wide. Why don't we use the big guy to start offloading? And then Dane Coles is actually invented, and he's, a, uh, he's, he's an absolute weapon. And I wonder where this is going to go next. So I, I don't think... Uh, it's just trying to be um, quite efficient, I think. Just um, trying to... If you imagine a scrum or a line-out or something, just having a couple of players who don't run 60 metres across and are there as a, to try and create a mismatch coming back the other way, that's, it's as simple as that. And mm. so I, I think that's true. And also, to, just to kind of slightly expand that point, you're also allocating, you're, you're utilising players where their skill set is best suited and to an extent where people would least expect their skill set. Because if you look up and you see Dane Coles, he's not the most athletic looking bloke. You see him out in the 13 channel or just outside the 13 channel. You think, oh yeah, we've got this guy. Got him. And then he puts on the burners or offloads or... Does whatever. Bounces someone. Yeah, bounces someone and then shows and goes. But it's one of those things like um, Leinster did it, right? And they went blindside. They went blindside with two props and a hooker. And I thought, that's brilliant. Because, like, <laughs> who are you going to be facing? Like, an opposition a, winger. A scrum half. Yeah. And these guys can shift and, and they can handle. I thought, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I, I just wonder if it's if there's another wrinkle to this whole, whole thing, which we're going to see again. Well, that, that's something to watch definitely of Argentina's, Matera in particular, who's so good at it. The other thing that was interesting in the game was the tackle stats and the, the perception of, the, of how good Argentina's defence was. So, okay, well, what so, was the perception first? So during comms, the perception was Argentina's defence is brilliant. Okay. And it was very, very good because they, well... For one thing, they prevented New Zealand from scoring a try, or sc- not scoring a try, scoring any points in the second half, which is almost unheard of. Um, they did have very good defence, and they put in some individual big hits, but they missed a lot of tackles, and they had a rush defence that would slow people down and disrupt New Zealand, disrupt Bodie Barrett and Jordan Barrett when he was coming into the line, but not necessarily make the tackle and con- prevent uh, a good flowing attackive move from New Zealand, but concede yards in doing it. Mm. Does that make Let's sense? Let's see if it needs to be consistent, because when it's uh, when it's Owen Farrell um, or England, completely or, or Saturday, it's like, it's unacceptable. It is you unacceptable. So, okay. Uh, so, they, the, the stats I've got in front of me, I've seen slightly different ones, but they're similar. Um, the Ruby paper reported different to the ones I've got in front of me now. Um, made 92 tackles, Missed 54 tackles, mm. so less than 60%. Pathetic. Rugby paper had it a bit over 60%. I, I kind of don't care. Look at the score. Yeah. Well, that... They lost. doesn't matter. They lost. Yeah, they, yeah, they lost. Game over. Go New home. Zealand... <laughs> well, when was the last time New Zealand scored 20 points or less? Good question. Or Lions? And, and never scored a single point in a half. Lions? Yeah. So that... Yeah. So it it does. It's lost, right? I think it's a good example of um, the the stats. The stats don't matter to a degree, or certainly pick individual picking individual stats to fit a narrative 
is all fine and well and good, but generally they don't matter. Mm. There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Absolutely. Who was that? Was that Roosevelt said that? FDR? I think he might have said that. Don't know. Don't know. Don't Don't know. know. Someone smarter than us, certainly. Certainly that. Tackles, part tackles, and missed tackles. Only one is acceptable. Jonathan Beardmore, 2019. There you go. Put put it on my gravestone. <laughs> like the stat, I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm, I, I, I take stats not with a pinch of salt. You can definitely get some benefit from them, but they, they, they do not tell a whole story. But one stat I would like added, nonetheless, is yards after contact, like in NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Yards after contact would be good. Yeah, it's all of the yards after contact. I can't decide if this is miserable defending or amazing play. So when something is really, really good, it's usually one of the two. And uh, Lau Mappy's try. I can't, I, I can't decide if it's just incredible strength or incredible laziness. Oh, he, he is so strong. I, I'm going, I'm going to give him the benefit. I don't know. Stop him. You've got to stop him. You, you're professionals. Yeah, lots of professionals have tried. Do you see the game? It was the semi-final against the Crusaders where he carried four of them over oh. the line. Yeah, amazing. that's right. He's he, a beast. He's so strong, and he's he's got such a low center of gravity, but just so explosive. Mm. Yeah, I, I would, <laughs> I would not if there were six of them hanging off him. I would not blame the defenders on, <laughs> on Lamar Matthew there. Yeah, well. Now, how thing. how about as a slight interlude? Um, I I don't have the message in front of me because I was just trying <gasps> to find it then. But um, we, we've been asked about a drinking game which you had previously mentioned i think basically there's a lot of weddings happening there's a lot of kind of social type occasions sessions and i think people are looking for a bit of inspiration on a drinking game there was one that it um, I, I forgive me to the uh, apologies to the person who sent in the message but i do remember they asked it was the one where phil said about everyone having to buy a buy a drink but they didn't know what the exact rules were uh, yes, Royal... one, that, one that you've done with a rugby team before. Oh, is this Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble, yeah. Uh, the the rules are definitely not one for a wedding, more of a stag do game. <laughs> um, okay. So you, everyone has to buy a drink. Uh, sometimes you can put a price limit on it of say ten pounds if people are going to be stupid. Um, ten or fifteen pounds maybe, um, and everyone goes to the bar and you buy. Whatever you want, it can be a simple single drink. It can be um, multiple drinks poured in one glass. It can be a bottle and a shot. It can be anything. the The idea generally to make it look it four pints of like lemonade if you wanted. <laughs> yeah, you it, wanna... it could That's be cool in a very different way. It could be. Um, okay. It's so the idea really is to make it look as horrible as possible. Uh, you put them all on a table, and then you draw names out of the hat. And the first name out of the hat gets first choice of all the drinks. And so it begins, and it works the way down until there's a handful of people, five, six maybe, left, and five, six horrible, horrible-looking looking drinks. I remember having and one... The, that uh, we... the, one name doesn't get, the next name doesn't get picked out of a hat until the person has finished it. Yes, true. You've got to finish your finish your drink before the next name gets picked out. Oh, clever. So, is it WWE rules? You've got to have, is it 32 contenders? <laughs> is it 32 or is it 30? In the Royal Rumble. Yeah, what, what, what was it for? Rumble? Don't know. What do you mean don't know? Everyone, every, every self-respecting man knows the numbers for the Royal Rumble, except for me. I was never a particularly big wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah it shows. Too cool. Um, 
what, what's your fate? What's your go-to, JB? You're quite you uh, quite often run a uh, kangaroo courts and such. That's a good question, and you've got me on got me on the hop now. Excuse the pun. Uh, hmm. Can I come back to you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, actually, actually, I like. I, I like the simple ones. Do you know, like the do you know the one where you have to count the amount of people around the table, and then you got to stand up. It it kind of gets everyone involved quickly, and it's easy easy to understand. So you go around, and yeah. if it, if it's twelve people, you stand up and say one. Someone has to stand up and say two. If you stand up at the same at the same time, you finish. It. No, you do five fingers. If you get to the last one, you do. Oh, so, if you, so you have to be so you have to be the only person to start to stand up and say that number. Yeah, if two exactly. people more, they all drink. Yes, exactly. Yes, but yeah, no, nothing quite as unusual as uh, the Royal Rumble, sadly. Mm. Have you got any go-to drinking games, Tim? I was just trying to think as I say that. <laughs> um, I was just trying to think in the context of people having a an afternoon session. I know uh, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll I will rack my brains, but I like the themed ones like that. The Royal Rumble, that's a great one. Um, any suggestions at Rugby Podcast? But there did... you go. I think that's definitely answered the question oh, that um, was asked. There anyway. are 30 competitors in the WWE Royal Royal Rumble, there as I go. suspected, rather than 32. So it's a pre-season, it's a pre-season session then for a, a squad. We did at Sedgley, this is years ago, like 13, 14 years ago, uh, and everyone was actually dressed as wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> I went good. to the weirdest stag do once, right? And the fancy dress theme was wrestlers, and we went... We went there and we stayed in what allegedly was Lionel Messi's old villa, right? So apparently Lionel Messi bought a villa just outside of uh, Mobs, and uh, that and that was where we were going to go. And a lot of the lads that we went with, um, the term peacock would come to mind, right? <laughs> so we all went through all the effort of dressing up as wrestlers. We all went through, well, one of the lads went through all the effort of finding out all the names of wrestlers and getting all of the entrance music ready. Uh, nice. They unveiled each of the wrestlers to their walkout music, and then because all the lads were so, um, what's the word for it, precious about how they looked, they decided before we left the villa to get changed into shirts and, and then go, go out. out into more. So we only got <laughs> dressed up for each other, which is the, the weirdest thing. Oh, I know it's always creepy, isn't it? Yeah, that is creepy. That's Jeffrey Epstein levels of creepy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Very topical, JB. As always, as always. Uh, now, before we get on to the next rugby championship game, remember this: you can come watch us live doing a show, much like this. In fact, it will almost be exactly the same as the one that you're listening to now, except it's going to be in Twickenham Stadium on the seventh of September, Correct. I do believe. Saturday the seventh, yes. And where where would one book a ticket uh, for the seventh of September? I mean, clearly not through Stephen Jones's. Twitter, but where 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 would you get the details of, of, of this, Tim? Well, I mean, and it's worth pointing out that there are lots of other podcasts that are joining us for this rugby bonanza. Um, but yeah, we, we'd love you to come along. With thankful for all of the people. There's been loads that are uh, they're coming to coming along to spend the spend the day at Twickenham in the new East Stand. Uh, this is um, podcastlive.com. As simple as that. We have pinned a little link to it as well on our Twitter account, which is at rugby podcast, but www.podcastlive uh, select us as your um, preferential uh, podcast. And yeah, we'll make sure we've got a seat near the front for you. And we've got lots planned as we try and make rugby great again, launching JB's JB 2020 campaign to become an RFU. I need to like sort out what this word is. I was going to say commissioner, but that's not the right word. Commissioner, I'd love to be the, the, 
World Rugby Commission. <laughs> like the Roger Goodell of all rugby. No, more like the Vince McMahon of all rugby. Be like Vince McMahon. The Vince McMahon of rugby. Perfect. I'd love would, that. Uh, you would. Uh, uh, so, yeah, lots in that. And um, Negroni Party, World Cup preview, live show. And yeah, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have really a really good old shindig. But there's a load of other people there. But uh, podcastlive.com. Yeah, and one last thing: if you do do want to come, I suggest that you come in one of our Akuma Rugby tops. So go go to Akuma Rugby. If you get the Marina Wool jersey, you also get a free Egg Chasers tie. So Akuma Rugby shops Egg Chasers. There we go. All of the advertising done, except for the dynamic insertion, which is coming in about five minutes. <laughs> um, before we go on to the other rugby championship, game, New Zealand Wales, how many? How many games have Wales won? Uh, I'd say zero. Tim? Zero. Uh, um, New Zealand, oh no, no, no. Uh, they've never won in New Zealand. Definitely never in they, New Zealand. They must have won in Wales. I'll go six. Uh, it is three. Wow. And how many times have they played? Uh, according to this, only 34. That doesn't sound right to me. But um, on that, there is a 30... Hang ma- on. So when they went on tour, right? When they went on tour with Sam Warburton, and they played them three times, that was ten percent, more or less ten percent of the games they've ever played against each other. This is what I'm looking at: thirty-four New Zealand have won thirty-one of them. And when did Wales win? But when? So when in sixteen? Yeah, twenty sixteen. They played him three times: Auckland, Wellington, Dunedin. Um, Wales won three out of the first four. Good. Wales Wales haven't so according to this, Wales haven't won since nineteen fifty three. And it is well, it a it wasn't even the same sport then. It is uh, a thirty match winning streak for New Zealand at the moment. Well, well, well. Glad we beat him at cricket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um did. So South Africa, Australia. Cool. It was really, really cool. Um, I I love this South Africa team. I love the... In fact, is there a country in the world with more talent than South Africa? In terms of the depth playing elsewhere? Yeah, depth. They've got the biggest depth uh, depth chart of any nation playing Easily, rugby. Easily, isn't it? I mean, it's not, it's not even close, surely. And the talent available... The talent not available to them is almost as impressive as the talent available to them. Well, this, oh, this England would probably run them close in terms of depth, but no, still not. Yeah. Not actually, they they would be second in terms of the depth, but and the number of players. But South Africa, far and away. I mean, aren't they? Aren't domestically they basically cutting their player pool in half? Uh, what do you mean? We're gonna get. We're gonna get even more of them in Europe. Oh, Go. what because of people? Um, some of the Curry Cup teams wanting to play in. Uh, yeah. The Pro 14 or Pro, well, Pro 16. Well, hold, hold that thought because we'll uh, investigate yeah. that further. Yeah, we've, there is some news on that front. Um, what were we saying? Oh, yeah, depth. Yeah, it's, it's frank, it is frankly staggering. Well, th- this was pretty much a second team other than Etzebeth and Lude. Lude Diego. I tell you what, whoever snaps, hit, snaps him up are going to be one lucky team because that boy can play. <laughs> He's he's going to be lighting up a field near near you sometime soon. Very close to some people. Oh yes, I mean uh, 
what a sign. What foresight to realise that this was a great player by certain people who may have signed <laughs> it's interesting. him. In the past, you've um, you've sort of said that you think second row is not a place you should spend really big money. Well, it depends what kind of second row it is. And I would suggest that this is the kind of second row I'd want I'd want to spend spend some money on. And surely it depends how many round, runs to the pound as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is a this is a high quality signing by well, whichever club decides to sign him. Interesting. Um, did you see this game then? I saw a lot of it, an awful lot Bits. of it. So it was Australia. It wasn't the strongest possible Australian team, although I would say it's a little bit stronger than the uh, the South African team. South Africa overall looked pretty comfortable. Um, they their pack is very good. Their yeah. halfbacks, considering Young Herschel Yanchis, uh was yeah. making his debut. And Elchin Yantes is second choice, um, comfortably second choice. Those boys played amazingly. I uh, love Elton Yan- um, Yantes. He's much maligned, and yet he's so talented when he wants to be. He he kicks. His hair is much maligned. <laughs> it is. Say, say, say again. His hair is much maligned. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, he's class. Well, not all the time. Yeah, some when, of the time when he wants to be. When he's, he's amazing. Hot, he's hot. Uh, he kicked very well in this as well. Kick sticks very well. I think he just missed one penalty. Um, Herschel Yanchis, though, the young boy, the young scrum half. God, South Africa are stacked at scrum half. Yeah, I mean, they would have said, wouldn't you, maybe a year ago, this is Faf de Klerk's position. Nailed down 100% Faf de Klerk's position. Um, that's not so obvious when you watch uh, Herschel Yanchis. And I, I would argue that Faf was actually the second best um, South African scrum half in the Premiership this, this year. Agreed. Uh, don't know. I mean, you know, it brings different things. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rannick had a better season than him. Rannick was the best scrum half in the Premiership this year. Uh, so Rannick, who did score a try in this game as well, On, in the 80th minute, as well as Herschel Yanchi's two. So um, Faf Faf will be back in this team, but the the competition, and as I said before, competition that drive your players to perform better. God, these boys are going to be performing well. Oh, they're, they're, I tell you who was immense. Uh, De Toy. I thought the Toy was brilliant. Yeah. And the guy Pe- can shift as well. Peter Steff. Yeah. You see his chip through. I did. It was amazing. Which was, was incredible. That was almost Herschel Yanchi's. It, it, it wouldn't, sequentially, it wouldn't have actually been his hat trick, but it almost led to a hat trick for Herschel Yanchi's. Yeah. Only stopped by what was a phenomenal tackle by Tom Banks, who had a very good game in a kind of stuttering, stop-start, misfiring uh, Australia backline. Yeah. Um, Let me for two seconds talk about a man who I think is rather eye-catching and kind of uh, almost endemic of exactly why South Africa got so much talent. Um, Andre Oosthuizen. That guy looks magnificent. Esterhazen. Esterhazen, is that how you say his name? The the guy who... uh... Most famously got, got sma- smashed by Owen Farrell with a no-arms tackle. It wasn't given as, as a no-arms tackle. Oh, cheat. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the only way to stop him. Frankly, Owen Farrell was right. <laughs> I don't see... I mean, he, 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 I'm sure he has someone else's shorts on. Probably fat shorts. <laughs> but, like, the guy looks magnificent. Yeah. Like, just all quads. He, He's a big, strong boy. He looks great. He's so South African, it's painful. He looks like... Um, what's his name? The South African, 
Ro- Rohan Yancey von Rendsburg. It's funny you mention if that. If he was in good condition, pre, well, pre pre his sale days. Von Ren- von Rendsburg is a lot shorter than him, probably True. a lot heavier than him as well. Um, but yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of because because when um, Rowan was in his absolute uh, well, was on Peak. his absolute A game. Yeah. Uh, and you could see he was unplayable when you could see every sinew in his quads. Yeah, and now, twitching. You know, he's uh, he's over here now, so doesn't qualify for uh, Springboks. And guess what? They've got another one. They've got another one just like him, but taller. Well, he does qualify for Springboks, of course. In the same way that Fafter Clerk qualified for Springboks. Oh yeah, they don't. They it, don't have a rule, do they? There's no rules. In cock. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you're absolutely number right. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, Francois Stein as well, who came off the bench. Yeah, I thought Marcel Kutzier of Ulster. Sorry, I thought Francois Stein had retired. Uh, don't think. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Concussions, I'm sure he... Francois Stein, are you not thinking of um, the Racing Metro? Yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly, exactly who I'm thinking of. Who? You're thinking of, what's his name, the 10 slash 15? Yeah. Yeah, Francois Stein is the massive centre. He won the World Cup in 2007. Plays for Montpellier and South Africa on Saturday. So who am I thinking of? He plays for... Um... You're thinking of Patrick Lombie. I am thinking of Patrick Lombie. Well done, Phil. Yes, that is very, very true. Uh, I did like the selection of... Well, I like this, as you well know. If you don't have an eight who is an out-and-out eight, play a seven in the eight shirt because you get the work rate. And that's exactly what... Exactly what Francois Lowe did. Yeah. He, he played really well. His work rate and his, his work on the ground as well. Because he, he disrupted Hooper. Yep. So let's just talk about Australia for a second. Because in a way, yeah, we know we know South Africa are good. We know uh, we know they're at home, and they've got a load of talent, and they're getting better and better and better. And a load of talent to come back in. Yeah. I, th- um, ominously, I am getting more and more confident about South Africa's chances of reaching the World Cup final. Oh yeah, I I am they as look well. Awesome. I think you should strike off uh, France from your board. No, it's going to be France. France-South Africa final. I'd love that. That'd be the perfect final. <laughs> so rugby-ish. Forget all these skills and all that nonsense. France versus okay. South Africa. Okay, so yeah, one thing about Australia, without... Um, I mean, albeit, like, from the bits I've seen, Dwayne Haylett-Petty dropped a sitter. Oh. Karevi had a chance to put a try away. Uh, but that said, the back line... A backline without Falau just looks flat. You know, I, I was thinking about this because I knew it'd come up. Um, I don't think it's going to matter too, too too much personally. In fact, if anything, it might in a way benefit them. Bear with me. So I think the problem that uh, Australia have had for the longest time 
is being able to play a load of boys who are super talented, but not really, not really a specialist. I include Falau in that because everyone speaks of him as a fullback, but actually for Australia's played on the wing, he's played at 13, so on and so forth. And what they ended up having is this mix, this mishmash of different players playing different positions just because they, they, they were talented. Like, Kirtley Beale would come in at 10, and then he'd come in at 12, and now he's going to be 15. 15. Back in the day, James, James O'Connor, Lelia Farno does 12, he does 10, you know, uh, so on and so forth, right? I think now that he's gone, it means that you can properly concentrate on um, giving, uh, what's his name? The guy who I just uh, mentioned? Kirtley Beale. Kirtley Beale. A, a run at the position that he is best at. You can get a real 12 in there, who does 12 stuff really well. And it might actually give him a little bit more more solidity because other than that, you had to change the back line to incorporate both those guys because you can't deny their talent. I actually think, in a way, it's, it might improve them. Well, I don't think they're going to go down that route, though, because KB's not going to play 15. I think he's probably going to play 12, I if anywhere. Lower there. Yeah, I, I think they've still got the problem of... KB and Tamua, who are both probably the, the best and the position they've played most recently is 12. Mm. And then you've got Karevi, who is a very good player, but very similar to Kurindrani. I think possibly, so Tom Banks might be one of the few nailed on players because he is an out and out 15. Uh, the rest of them, but KB, Curly Beal did look very good. Give a class. And I, for, that, for the try, for the, the, for the. And the way that he intervened, just he, he came into the line late. I think you, you could see a lot more of him, a lot more of him doing that from fifteen than you could at twelve. The guy who needs to be worried will be DHP, Dane Hale at Petty, who he did score yeah. a try. Tim, you mentioned him bombing a try, and he was totally at fault for Herschel Yanchi's second try. He, he stupidly was chasing a lost cause at the rook and just ignored his blind the blindside wing that he should have been defending. So he didn't have his best game. Yeah. But also, Reese Hodge is another good example. Reese Hodge is a great 13 who can play 15 or wing and has been pushed out to the wing because you've got lack of players in some positions and uh, almost too many centres. Do you know, they should build, Australia should build themselves a depth chart. Do you know like the NFL do? Like this is my number one wide receiver. This is my number like like number two, so on and so forth. Just to see where they all play, and then play them in the positions that they want to play. Well, in that, it's really they've only they've got Brendan uh, Brendan uh, Bernard Foley. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bernard Foley's the only man that can't play well, any other position, and he plays the most important position. Unless you're going to bring Quade Cooper back. Is that that's not a possibility? Is that a possibility? It's a possibility. They're going to end up with Leo Leofano there or something. I just, just uh... It's going to be. Uh, it would be something like James O'Connor at 10, Hurley Beale at 12, Israel Falau at 13, Howlett Pelly. Uh, Howlett. No, no, you'll have Reese Hodge and you'll move uh, Karevi or Karindrani out onto the wing. Well, why, well, why not? I mean, yeah. they're so flexible. <laughs> Michael Hooper will be playing 15. Well, he has played centre. I know. Perfect. For, for injuries. Yeah, it's going to be some weird team. Weird team. Uh, team like that in fact they they played Matt Gitter at nine <laughs> anyway I think we've uh, covered Australian rugby yeah. in more so than what enough what were you saying about um, South Africa thing the the, the um, Curry Cup teams well so it was mentioned that the Curry Cup team so like the Pumas and Grecus I'm probably saying that wrong Grecus um, 
and others potentially wanting to have a bit of the Pro 14 money, like the Cheetahs and the Southern Kings. That's sweet Pro 14 money. That's been mentioned for a little while, but it looks like it's unlikely to happen given the developments that happened yesterday, specifically the rugby papers. Uh, Suggestions or allegations that a British league will be coming in two years' time, um, which was an alleged quote from a chairman of a premiership rugby team. Interesting. Which chairman would this be? Uh, they did not say. Oh, right. So unnamed. So they the were um, threading two strands together, one of which is the CVC deal for Premiership Rugby for £275 million, which I don't think I've seen has, gone, has definitely gone through, but they were talking about it as a done deal. And the potential for CVC to also buy a roughly 30% stake in the Pro 14. And by and if, also if they by have, the Six Nations as well, which is another thing they're looking at. Well, that, that's separate to this conversation. Yes, yes. Um, and it, I don't know whether it be one or the other, or two or one. I wonder if, if CVC wants someone to be a commissioner for all their rugby. <laughs> I thought you were a committee member, not a commissioner. No, no, I you know skip the committee. No one is. <laughs> like, I wonder if they wanted the Vince McMahon of rugby. I, <gasps> In, laying the smackdown. Yeah, just making up random matches because I feel like it <laughs> on a Friday that, that night. Does feel like, that does feel like the um the the sort of spine holding all of this all of these rumors together is look C- CVC. CVC is a, it, go- a it godsend is. to journalists. Now this is not a knock on the paper who've done good good work and it's a good story so on and so forth. But the reason I say it's a godsend is because nobody, including many people in finance, know what any hedge funds really do. In fact, most hedge funds don't know what um, what other hedge funds do. It's a complete mystery. In fact, if you asked a hedge fund what it did, they'd probably say we employ very intelligent people and we back them with money. So it's not, it, you know, none of them kind of match each other. And because of that, you've got this element of, of mystery and intrigue and people just put on what they think a hedge fund should do into their story. So CVC lends itself to all sorts of things. Like they're going to buy Six Nations and when they buy Six Nations, they're going to have, you know, promotion and relegation and they're going to make the premiership play rounds of rugby against pro 14 why wouldn't they because that's what uh, hedge hedge funds do and it just goes on and on and on so anything that's spoken about cvc unless you're actually involved with them i don't think you're going to know exactly what their plans are and the whole point of private equity is that it's private so th- this was allegedly coming from a chairman mm. um who would be potentially on the inside of at least one of the conversations, the CVC conversations with Premier Rugby or the CVC conversations with the Pro 14. Yeah, I mean, maybe, this is another thing as well, would CVC share that with a chairman? Uh, It depends how far the negotiations are. If if they had to get the club's buy-in in order to sell a stake and they thought this was attractive to the club's, they would do. So I would have thought what's attractive to the clubs, right, is saying, I guess it's more attractive to the Celtic clubs than it is the English clubs. It is. And the, the reaction has been seemingly generally positive from the Welsh side. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Unquestionably, because there would be a lot more revenue coming to the Welsh side. And certainly fans of English teams have seen seemed a bit kind of uh, nonplussed. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to see the Dragons come up to the AJ Bell. Yeah. As always, as always, with these sorts of things, what I instantly think of is who stands to gain what from this story being out. Uh, so, who does stand to gain, uh, Tim? 
Well, no, I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not necessarily speculating as to who, but I, I'm always take stories like this Go, with on, speculate, a, a pinch of salt because th- there may be some people that would stand to gain if, if, if potential stories like this were in the pipeline. There might be people who think this is the way forward and w- will make them lots of money, and so they want to try and gauge opinion by getting it out there in in this sort of form it may well be just a total pie in the sky all right all right so no no real substance to it whatsoever that's an interesting question let's actually discuss who does benefit from this from this announcement anyone so potentially depending on how it's taken anyone who was looking to sell a club yeah if you're going to have some kind of mega deal or mega deals on the table um someone for example, mm-hmm. Leicester Tigers, or if there are any of the um, Welsh or other chairmen or owners who are looking to uh, enhance the sale value of their club, this might not harm that position. I'm, or I'm any def- team that's worried about potential relegation in a couple of years' time or in the next couple of years? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this would not lend itself to relegation, so it would you would assume it would be a... I think it actually says you'd have a 25 team leagues you'd have the 13 uh, U- um, English academies plus potentially 12 others so my, uh, but that, that that is not clear I, now, for the record I, I'm not I am not suggesting that Leicester Tigers have released this information I'm just speculating no no, 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 no yeah, of course because I mean, there, there could be a number of different reasons a number and, and it could they, be genuine and it could be scurrilous but yeah but yeah. to be fair to you Phil they have got five different chairmen so there's <laughs> you know, there's could, every chance it could be any one of them <laughs> Um, just just on the broader point, I really don't like it. No, I don't either. I think it's an awful, an awful uh, I, idea. I, I think certainly for the uh, English clubs, it's not a good idea. There's there's no real suggestion of what the Irish, and I've not really seen much about what the Irish think about this, but I'd suggest it wouldn't be in their interest because you'd have more competitive games, which uh, from one side would be good but from another side with a limited player pool and the IRFU hat on wouldn't necessarily be a good thing yeah so there's a few things isn't there? Uh, number one I'm pretty happy with the premiership as it is I'm pretty sure that you two are as well yeah um, I think it's the best league in the world bar none by far in any sport in any sport I mean it's certainly in rugby um, <laughs> there's that and then there is the European Cup the, yeah the Champions that's Cup, where which is the real golden goose, even though even though it has had its sponsorship uh, decreased, I understand, particularly from where it was when the Heineken, when it was the Heineken Cup. Well, it is the Heineken Cup, but it's back it, to being the yeah. Heineken Cup, yeah. But that is, I I think rugby's premier club. Oh yeah, I mean it's it far is. superior to Super Rugby, and you know it's absolutely brilliant. Why do I want to destroy the Premiership, which I love so much? And then and negatively impact the Euro- the Heineken Cup, which I also love so much. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be fairly well ran anyway. I think the the secret to all this is making sure that the Celtic clubs aren't left behind or regions or whatever they want to call themselves. Um, and you've got to kind of square that circle. The other thing that I don't like about it is this is something which Super League does, and I think it's really tin pot, which is. Stop changing your format. You know, if you've, if you've got a good format and you trust in it, stick with it. And people say, yeah, well, you know, we are trying to, you know, attract a new... Yeah, that's the one I hate. I hate it when we're trying to attract a new audience. Not not interested. Um, but 
we have a good format. Leave the format as it is. Super League have done this thing where they went, you know, the, com- the, the playoffs, the club call, uh, the super, whatever it is, they've, they've split the league in half. They've done all sorts to try and entice more people in. And frankly, it doesn't work. All that matters is the quality of your games. I agree with that. Definitely. So, so uh, sorry, just to be clear, are we in favour of this or not? No. No. no not, there's been no specifics muted. Um, but based on what I've read... Not really. Tim? No. No. Uh, I'm just trying to think if I can be more balanced about it. I'd need to see... I'd see, need to see more proposals. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, see exactly what they meant by this. But, nah, I don't if, if I was a fan of a Welsh club, I might be more interested in this. Because yeah. more money, uh, more important games. Yeah, um, if the Welsh weren't so Welsh, um, they would have joined the Premiership when they were offered it all those years ago. Seems daft. So daft. I wonder if uh, anyone regrets that decision. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> um, other news. Please, en- enlighten me. There's not a huge amount of other stuff. Um, Mathieu Bastereau was in the, the news this week. Good. That's always a good, a, a good sign. A good news cycle. Because he's moving to Lyon. Excellent. And he wants to play number eight. Or he, there's a suggestion that he might start playing number eight okay so which, which does seem like a bad idea to be moving to leon if you want to be playing number eight yes because of course leon have simply the best number eight in europe uh but yeah uh, uh, best get... best europe number eight in france in europe um <laughs> i would say this if he wants to go and learn under someone uh <laughs> leon is a great place to play maybe do a, a couple of years there and the tutelage of Ferns, and then master you know, can play the games and Ferns can play the home games Perfect. That is good, actually. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like the NFL, you know, when the quarterback has a little earpiece and you know, phones, <laughs> guide him around the field, tell him what to do. So yeah, it'd be good. Uh, good. Uh, I, on a serious note, I, could, I just don't think he's got the work rate. I mean, I, I, I'm not <laughs> sure this is a, a complete revelation to anyone. No. It. I mean, I don't know. I thought I genuinely thought when he announced he was going to play in New York. Um, oh, hang on, yeah, what happened to that? He's, I think he's he has been or is still doing that, and this is after. Ah, I, I thought that would be kind of his. Um, you know, when like George Best went out to to pasture and played five years uh, in a pasture. Cos- uh, New York Cosmo. New York, Co- New York Cosmo were not were not <laughs> out to pasture. You, that that team was unbelievable. Yeah, they had like who was the guy up front who sounded? Pele. Yeah, Pele. They had the who was the Italian that bagged a load of goals? There's like a star man. I can't remember his name. Made Pele cry a lot. <laughs> no like, idea. They, that was literally that was literally one of the best teams on the planet when they played. Uh. Were they not all past more. it? No, no. That was, was that was the whole thing. Was uh, Pele not indulging in some Cornerstone products <laughs> at the time? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cornerstone, have, have they announced that? What? Uh, hang on. You guys carry on talking and I'll um, get up the New York uh, co- uh, Cosmos or whatever they were called. Okay. So one of the things... Oh, there's two other things on our little running order. One of which was... Um, Tim, we didn't get to speak to you last weekend after the uh, excitement of the Cricket World Cup, but I guess you didn't watch it because you were at a festival. So it was so annoying. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I was I, the 
I was in Glasgow and the uh, the, the the quality of 4G was absolutely dreadful. Terrible. So yeah, I was watching it in little sporadic bursts. It was it was it was soul destroying actually. I was I'm not going to name the person I was interviewing, but basically I was I was like backstage interviewing someone and who? I, on, tell, tell us who. No, I'm not going to say who because it's not fair on them. But I was is so inter- zoned interview- out, oh, right. so such a small amount because I was thinking, I was imagining what's going on. The super <laughs> over was happening. I was aware it was oh. happening, <laughs> and I had to sit there and talk about bloody music and stuff. Well, just know that whatever you, your most vivid imag- and wild imaginations could never have done justice to the real thing, Tim. It was an unbelievable spectacle to watch. Yes, I completely agree with that. It was unreal, actually. Um, but there was some talk early last week about uh, how a rugby game could be settled in a similar manner, so not going to the, the penalty shootout or the um, the coin toss. How could you settle a rugby game in a similar manner on Twitter and elsewhere? And one of the suggestions which um, Ben Ryan jumped on because it's apparently one of the proposals for Ruby X was a one-on-one in a 15-meter channel. Now, that... nah, d- d- boat, race, boat race drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that, actually. That's better. Is it, no, the, the, the one-on-one... In... I, 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 Eddie Jones would have me in his squad. Yes. You'd be in the 31 the squad. Hang on a minute. How about something completely... Um... Completely left field, okay? You have a coin toss between the two captains, right? And whoever wins the coin toss gets to decide whether they want to have five scrums or five lineouts. And then it's yeah. And then it's almost like a sudden death lineouts or scrummaging. So you put the ball in. So if it's a scrum, you put the ball in. If you win your scrum, then they put the ball in. They win their scrum. You put the ball in. As soon as you lose, oh, lose you'd your have scrum, do you have collapses and like? Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> you'd have right, actual, actual, like look. Magic actual... Right, scrums are a magic eight ball at the minute. Yeah. Anyway. No, uh, uh, well, um, yeah. All the other players have to leave the field, so it's just the just, just the pack. It's just the pack. Or it's same same thing with lineouts, and all they've got to do is drop the ball down to the nine. Okay, so it's always off, always off the top. No, uh, no, uh, no drive. So you throw in, ball on to nine. They throw in, ball on to nine. You throw in, Brody Ritalik steals it. Interesting. I reckon if it was if it was the 15-metre channel thing, I don't know how um, Ben Ryan and Rugby X are actually doing it, but I would have it so you pick an attacking player and then the def- and then the uh, all 15 players have to uh, that are on the field at the end or a, a, a big number of them have to be involved. Once uh. the attacking Picked an attacking player, then the the other team pick a defending player to who go. is, and then both of them are then used. You yeah. can't then use them. I I like so I you like match I like that idea for that. I don't like the one on one for a, I, I don't mind it for sevens or rugby X, but for fifteens, the number of one on ones that you get in fifteens rugby is very very small. It rarely, rarely happens. Would so it's you? just not an appropriate skill for fi- to settle a 15s game. If you were five metres out, okay? So, okay, if you were five metres out, would you bat yourself after a tight game? Would you rather defend five metres out or would you rather attack from five metres out? You've got to score a try. Well, so that's kind of where <laughs> I'm going. Am, am I Exeter Chiefs? 
<laughs> yes, you are. Well, then I attack. Definitely. I think that I think that might be the best one. Actually, it's a five meter scrum, right? What? Who gets to so, choose where it so, is? So, well, or, he, or he, a line out, ten meter line out. Well, or, or you. Can, so yeah, I've I've kind of piece. I've kind of thought this through a little bit, and here's what I do. Oh, here we go. So, you you are given three penalties. Mm-hmm. Now, one is right in front of the sticks, centre field on the twenty-two. Oh, I like this already. I know where you're going. One is uh, on the five five meters and five meters, right in the corner on the far right hand touchline, and one oh, is the same on the far left touchline. Now you can this... kick sticks. Alternatively, you can choose a scrum, a line out, a tap and go. And from, oh, I love from from those three penalties, you've got to score as many points as possible, which will which will give you some interesting tactical decisions. Certainly later on. So if you make the one in the centre the last one and the first two are really hard to take the points on so you're going to go for the tries. Hang on. Explain this to me again. How many penalties do we Three have? penalties for each team. One... Three penalties? This could last for hours. No, three penalties. One, so three penalties for each team. Yeah. You play for until the phase is over. So until there's a knock-on, a, um, a try a penalty given or, or whatever. Um, a penalty given by the attacking team, that is. Yeah. So, for let's say your first one's on the right-hand touchline. You've got the option of kicking the sticks, which would be very difficult, taking a penalty, taking a tap, or kicking for a line-out. Mm-hmm. And you do the same for each three, taking it in turns for each team, and the most points wins. So, theoretically, you can score 21 points. Oh, my God, I've just thought something amazing. From that. Just, just, just let that one sit for a minute because that's bloody brilliant, Phil. That's okay. such a great idea. I think you missed you, you've missed a, a key step here. Go on. The key step to this, right, is it is predetermined which side of the pitch that it's going to be in. Okay, it's always on one side, side of the pitch. And what you then do is you build a bunch of corporate boxes and you sell them <laughs> for an astronomical amount. On the hope that they, it goes into extra time, everyone wins. <laughs> so, like you have you have the haves on one side, like the, the have side of the stadium, and the have not side on the like on the other state, uh, like on, on the other side. <laughs> a relative term with rugby fans. Well, given given that no, <laughs> yeah. given that no World Cup game has ever gone to uh, a penalty shootout, how much more do you think these tickets are going to be worth? Well, well. <laughs> um, one percent, not point one percent more. Just in case, just in case. <laughs> now, I actually, uh, I'm surprisingly prefer my idea, which is it's a it's a scrum where uh, on the five meter line where, wherever you want it. If they knock on, if you def- if they don't score a try, uh, the other team wins. That's true sudden death. I think Phil's would be absolutely gripping because say team one go and they take the a risky three points and nail it, and then. Team two are like, oh, should we kick as well, or should we go yeah. for seven? Oh, that, that's Did, really good. I like. It. And then if you fail to, if you try and fail, the pressure mounts. Yeah, yeah. I think, oh, I think that's good. Because you could, you could kick two kicks. If only, um, yeah. If only uh, someone, and the other team gets seven points, and you miss the final kick. Oh, that's good. If only someone at World Rugby listens to this. <laughs> if only. If only. If only. Um, I. I can, oh, because what what is it currently? It's the five kicks. I think it goes to five kicks, and then I think it might even go to a coin toss after that. 
literally every idea we've had is better than five kicks. Whoever came up with five kicks, yeah, fired. Five, like immediately five. Five. five he's probably yeah. still employed somewhere. Five kicks, yeah. Five kicks. Five kicks. Think about it. It's ludicrous. It's the least exciting skill in rugby. That's, it's very, very I, important. Especially, anyway. especially when it's five play. So it's, um, it can't all be the same player. Yeah. Certainly Imagine if it was the same player, though. It'd be so boring. Yeah, that would be even for, more boring. Unless it's Bowden Barrett. At least you got to see when uh, Leicester Cardiff. I think the rules might have changed now, but when Leicester played Cardiff in the uh, Champions Cup or um, Challenge Cup, yeah, with um, Jordan Crane and Martin Williams. I think Martin Williams missed. Martin Williams missed. Yeah, Jordan Crane missed. Did he? Did he? Was he not the one who who scored just Ooh, before Martin Williams? I thought Cardiff had two misses, and one was Tom Tom James. I seem to think that, Tom Tom. It, it, Jordan Crane got the got the kick and Martin Williams missed it and that was the yeah decisive. I one. thought Leicester missed one, Tom James missed one, or uh, Martin Williams missed it and then Jordan Crane got it. Penalty shootout. Here we go. I've got it up now. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So only one Leicester Tiger missed. Uh, let me guess who that was. Okay. Okay. Here we go. You won't. You won't get it. Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> what? Watch me. How? Uh. <laughs> Kiss. No. Uh, I would say it is... Uh, Harry Ellis. That's a good shout. No. Back or forward? Uh, back. Uh, what about... Um, uh, oh, what's his face? He's the New Zealand winger, Hamilton. No. He he um, successfully scored. He was playing that day. Okay. Scott Hamilton. Jordan Murphy, I think he's too talented for that. Um, Jordan Murphy successfully got a kick. Uh, centers. Oh God, I'm I'm all at sea here. Who are the centers? Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith was on the bench. It didn't take a kick. Vesti hip kiss. So, Vesti scored a kick. He Vesti was playing twelve. Um, hip kiss was playing thirteen. He didn't take a kick. So one of the centres, which wasn't one of the three centres that we named, Mr. Kick? No, one of the backs, not one of the centres. Booth. <laughs> no. Uh, He's a winger. Tom Vondell? Nope. Goodness me, I haven't... Who, who's the other winger? Austin Healy? Nope. This was 2008. 2008, 2008. Who was the other... Oh, no, 2009 um, even. I'll be upset if Tim gets this. Uh, Anasana Tulangi? Nope. Not was, he, was he that 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 um that that Irish guy? No, not uh no. Oh, it, I know who you mean. It was the Irish guy, Tim. Uh, oh, uh, Niall, Niall, Niall. That's it. No, 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 Lord. It's Niall. It was Niall. Someone. No. What? Uh, I give up. Giving up. Johnny Murphy. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> god damn it! I told you you won't get it. No, you were right. And then the two who missed for. Tom James, Martin Williams. Tom James, Martin Williams. I knew Tom James missed one, which meant there had to be a lesser tiger in there somewhere. Lee Halfpenny was playing then. Lee Halfpenny will have, if he gets selected for the next Lions, I think he's gone on four Lions tours. He won't go on the next Lions. Depends how, how well he's playing. <laughs> True. He's one hell of a player, a very unique player. Um, Alan Wynne-Jones is far more likely. So, 
yeah, he went to South Africa, although he'd never played because he got injured. In fact, does that count? He was in, he was selected for the Lions. He was I selected, yeah. I think he went. Uh, then Australia, and then New Zealand, and then, yeah, you could go to another one. There we go. Excellent. So we've solved how World Rugby final can be sorted. No, no. We've got any other suggestions, though, um, because we have that. Anything we say tends to become something which someone else adopts. So, you know, through us, get your idea to the top. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, let's leave it there. I had something fundamentally important to say there, but let's just leave it there. Uh, All right. (laughs) Well, you can find us on Twitter at Ruby Podcast. You can find Cocker at Cocker. You can find me at Jay Beardmore. And Phil will slide into your DMs if he feels like it. Uh, like a greased up penguin. That's right. Uh, <laughs> like a slippery weasel sliding on Visqueen. Um, we also have an Instagram, which I don't know the password to, and I'm not even sure if we use it. Do we use the Instagram anymore, Tim? Uh, I don't really use social media anymore. Oh, he's so For the best. He's so above the fray now. For um, the best. And we've got a Facebook. Just find just find us on Twitter. It's far, far easier. M- maybe wait for all the moon landing stuff to, to, to die down. But then, but, but then find us. <laughs> Uh, so until next week when we will be back in our normal Sunday slots uh, from me Tim and yes. Phil let the boys play let the boys play mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.